You're listening to Headphones Recommended. I'm Jake, and this is my story. Dear, don't wear reflective stripes. This is important because it means when you're driving on the freeway, they can just suddenly be right in front of you. We really take reflective stripes for granted, pointing out the metal of the guardrail or the contours of the lines in the road. Deer don't wear them, and that makes them dangerous. In my driver's ed class many years ago, I remember the subject of deer coming up. I remember that a deer obstructing your path of travel is a decision you have to make where every option is both risky and bad. Let's say you're on the freeway. You're in a car, by yourself, driving late at night, just a few minutes away from home. Suddenly, deer, and no reflective stripes to speak of. You're not speeding, but that still means you're going 45 miles an hour. It's a two-lane freeway with a concrete divider, and you're in the right lane. There is no one else on the road in front of or behind you. If you slam on the brakes, there's a 0% chance that you'll stop before hitting the deer. At this distance and speed, a collision is a guarantee. If you hit the deer, it could severely damage or destroy your car. It could also come up over your hood and through your windshield, possibly killing you. At best, your car is minimally damaged, and at worst, you're dead. If you swerve, you can probably avoid the deer, but it's risky to turn sharply on the freeway at this speed. You might be able to swerve and recover with no impact of any kind, all living parties walking away safely and no damage to anyone's property. Alternatively, you could hit the divider, you could spin out, you could hit the guardrail on your way back, or you could roll your car. If any kind of impact occurs, there would be damage to your car that could range from moderate to total. Without anything entering the vehicle, however, the chance of death is slim. People die in car accidents all the time, but cars are way safer now than they used to be. Clock's ticking. Also, it's not one deer. It's three. I swerved. It's something I've successfully done once before, at even higher speed, with even more deer involved in the equation. That time, I continued to tell the story for a whole year as the scariest thing I've ever experienced while driving. It happened so fast, I wasn't even sure how I pulled it off. This time, I was not successful. I swerved into the left lane and corrected course to the right. My car started to slide, and I corrected for the skid, but it wasn't enough. My car spun out. I slammed into the guardrail at least once, possibly twice, and sheared off the first 10-20% to 20% of my car, from the bumper all the way to the engine block. My airbags did not deploy, because my car was old and not equipped with lateral airbags for a lateral collision was past tense if at any point you ever have to set foot on a freeway something has most certainly gone wrong
The last act of my 2005 Toyota Matrix was to keep me safe, and for that I am lucky and grateful. I walked away from that accident with nothing but neck and shoulder pain, which, to be clear, is super uncomfortable, but not life-threatening. The deer are also safe. No one else was involved in the accident. The problem with taking risks is that if you roll the dice often enough, the worst possible luck will happen eventually. I drove Uber for 7,462 trips over the course of three years and four months. In the echelons of silver, gold, platinum, and diamond tier drivers, I was a diamond driver since day one of that program. I have a 4.88 rating. When I call support, they ask me questions like how I've remained a driver for so long, or how I have one of the highest ratings of any driver in Philadelphia. I'm not making this up. I wrecked my car driving home from a night of doing Uber. See, about 50% of my trips have been at nighttime, and that's only because I would start during the day. I'd typically get on the road on or before dinner time, drive the dinner rush, take a quick break to get food of my own, and then drive until maybe 11pm or midnight on a weekday, or until the bars close, which is 2-3am to 3 on Fridays and Saturdays. I've had a lot of bad stuff happen. When people ask me if anyone has ever thrown up in my car, I have numbers for them instead of a yes. Three in my car, seven at one of my windows, six while the vehicle was moving and one of which had to pay for a car wash, and twelve on the side of the road. I've kicked three people out of my car, which included one for screaming at me, one for being rude, and one for trying to have sex in my back seat, which then resulted in screaming once I pulled over and told him to get out. I've had two people want to fight me, and oh god, it's a special kind of terror when suddenly your driver's side front door opens and there's a man much larger and stronger than you with his shirt half off, fists clenched, and nostrils flaring. One time someone peed in my car, and Uber wouldn't charge them a full biological cleanup fee because I couldn't prove it was pee with just a photo. My word for it wasn't good enough, and even with one of the highest ratings in Philadelphia and an immaculate service record, it didn't help. One time I was driving someone to the airport when all of a sudden the car on the outside lane of the other side of the freeway slammed into the car next to the divider, sending that car flying up into the air. I thought for sure it was going to come up over the divider and land directly on me, but instead everything slowed down as I got an up-close view at the underside of a four-door sedan while it hurtled through the air next to me. I don't know if they were okay. I had my passenger call 911. That was important information, too, knowing that the divider is designed to keep vehicles on one side of the road, because I knew how things were going to go when a sports car on the freeway in front of me suddenly swerved, probably under the control of a drunk driver at 1.30am on a Friday night, and slammed into the divider, 
going up on two wheels before slamming back down to the freeway, swerving into the middle of the lane in front of me, and stabilizing like nothing even happened. I was ready for it, you see, because I slowed down an instinct beforehand when I suspected the driver was drunk, and also I had first-hand experience with how this goes. Fifteen minutes later on that night, now off the freeway, I saw a car burn right through a red light like it wasn't even there. You see this a lot in Philadelphia. I hate that shit so much, I complained to my passenger. You aren't supposed to swear while driving for Uber, but fuck it. I see it all the time and it's gonna get someone killed. Not 60 seconds later, we drove right past the aftermath of a T-bone collision car accident. The kind where a car slams directly into the side of another car. I hope everyone survived. I had a conversation one time with a bartender, and she asked me for my best stories. I told her that I don't have any best stories anymore. In the first six months, I could remember the funny people, the interesting people, the folks I wished I could be friends with if we had just met any other way. Then I started having bad things happen. Somebody would throw up, or somebody would be extremely rude, or somebody would be downright dangerous, right? Then those were the stories I remembered, because I had to remember them in order to watch out for similar signs in the future, trying to stay safe. Actually, I get it, she said. She told me the exact same thing happened to her as a bartender. Her first six months were filled with great conversation, charming folks, interesting times, everything you hope for when you take up a job like that. Then she'd have to remember the people who screamed at her, who got into fights, who would get so drunk they'd have to be escorted out by the bouncer. She needed to remember the name and the face of the woman who threw a drink at her, swearing up a storm, literally carried out by the bouncer, because that woman was dangerous and not allowed back under any circumstances. It takes tremendous effort to see the good in the world, especially when the bad that you've tuned into is part of a mechanism that keeps you safe. I've read that daily gratitude practice can help rewire your brain, so I try to do that as often as I can. If the experts say it helps, Maybe it will help me. And it does help. A little. I do this every day, trying to find the good in my world, trying to safeguard the better thoughts so I don't lose them in the tide of despair. I've gone years without a sense of smell, so I'm grateful for every time that I can smell coffee, or dessert in the oven, or the scent of a partner's hair. I'm grateful for every sweet text message I wake up to, every time someone I care about sends me a picture of cute animals because it made them think of me, every time someone tells me that something I've made has improved their life somehow. I'm grateful for the medication that helps me think straight, keeps my depression at bay, and puts me to sleep at night. I'm grateful for the time I didn't walk into traffic even though that's what the Ativan wanted for me. I'm grateful that, against all odds, all I lost in the freeway that night was my car. 
Headphones Recommended is written, recorded, and produced by me, Jacob Vanderend. All of these stories are true. This show is ad-free and completely listener-supported by folks just like you. Find out how to get involved at headphones.show, where you can find links to the Patreon, social media, and more. Don't forget to rate the show on your podcast app of choice, and to tell your friends. Every rating and recommendation goes a long way. Questions? Comments? Want to do a guest episode? Want to be a guest artist? Email us at info at headphones.show. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week. Be good to each other out there.